The following content may be disturbing to some. Discretion is advised. If you choose to enjoy one of our themed margaritas, please ensure that you are of legal drinking age and have fun but drink responsibly. At the very thought of circus, a swarm of long imprisoned desires breaks jail armed with beauty and demanding justice, and everywhere threatening us with curiosity and spring and childhood. E.E. E. Cummings, a circus elephant who spent her entire life tortured by humans, a public execution, electrocution, alternating current. Today's story is based primarily in greed, but maybe not the greed of the person that you think. As is the case with many stories in history, the narrative has been twisted to suit a certain idea, and in this case, to villainize the wrong person. The original margarita I had planned for today, I must admit I was not looking forward to. Um, some of you may remember a past episode where I tried a banana flavored margarita. Truth be told, that's the closest I've ever come to not being able to drink one. So when I first looked up the recipe for a circus peanut flavored margarita, it called for a liqueur that I could not find in any liquor store that I went to. So I guess I should count myself lucky because little did I know that circus peanuts are banana flavored. Anyway, decided instead to do a cotton candy flavored margarita in honor of the circus. So for this recipe, I did one part tequila, two parts whipped cream vodka, one part simple syrup, a half a part of lime juice, cause still feeling a little bit nervous, and one part cream soda. We'll pop on the top and shake her up. Top comes off and we strain over fresh ice. Today a salt rimmed glass and garnished with a banana flavored circus peanut. All right. Let's begin. I'm not sure if this tastes like cotton candy, but it is pretty good. So uh, you might want to try it yourself. And uh, circus peanuts really do taste like banana. I've got two pounds of them. If you'd like me to mail them to you, just let me know. Elephants are among the most exuberantly expressive animals on the entire planet. Through years of research, scientists have determined that elephants are capable of complex thought and emotion. Elephants are known to express feelings of love, joy, grief, compassion, and anger. In fact, the emotional attachments that elephants form with their family members rivals that of human beings. Topsy was an Asian elephant born in the wilds of Southeast Asia sometime around 1875. As a baby, she was captured by elephant traders. Asian elephants are more likely to be captured for zoos or safari tourism. At the time, full-grown animals were too difficult to handle on the journey on the way to the United States, and so they only captured young animals. The cost of those captures remains to this day. Asian elephants are more endangered than African elephants. There are actually only around 30,000 Asian elephants alive in the wild today. Adam Forepaugh was one of the most famous and successful circus owners of the 19th century. He grew up poor in Philadelphia and had become a butcher's apprentice at the age of 16. 
But then the Civil War struck. He changed careers, deciding to become a horse trader. He made a fortune supplying the Union troops with horses. At one point, he made a deal with a shady circus owner. When that circus owner was unable to pay his bill, Forepaw took part ownership in the circus. But it turns out he was made for it. He was a meticulous and thoughtful circus owner. He's actually one of the first circus owners to have two tents, one that housed the menagerie of animals and one for the show. The thought was that the church-going people, who at the time still had kind of a problem with attending the shows in the circus, would go to see the animals because that had a certain educational value. So he charged 25 cents per person to go visit the menagerie tent. That's the same as about $6 today. Also, he, like most circus owners of the day, weren't afraid to exaggerate or outright lie to get people to come see the circus, as long as they were there, who cared, right? And he wasn't afraid to do some things that were a little shady and under the table. Fourpaw was actually Barnum's biggest rivalry in the circus industry, and it ushered in what they called the golden age of circuses. Yeah, the golden age of human and animal exploitation, but whatever. Truth be told though, circuses were really magical in the 19th century. Children and adults alike were fascinated with the dazzling performances and maybe even more so with the exotic animals that they really couldn't see anywhere else. Most people were living difficult agrarian lifestyles and this was really an opportunity for them to get away from their lives and see something magical. Children dreamed of running away and joining the fantastical life of the circus and many did. Circuses became giant industrialized entertainment in America and, and really around the world. I guess it's like most things in history, complicated. The name Topsy comes from a character in Uncle Tom's Cabin, a young enslaved girl. I don't really know if this was on purpose or, I'm not really sure if this name was given on purpose or not, but the irony isn't lost on me. The name of a girl who was enslaved given to an elephant who was enslaved. Topsy was smuggled into the United States by Fourpaw secretly. Fourpaw's plan was to promote Topsy as the first elephant born in the United States. At the time, Fourpaw was engaged in a heated rivalry with Barnum and Bailey, and this was sure to give him an edge in what would later be known as the Elephant Wars. Fourpaw announced to the press in February of 1877 that his circus now had, quote, the first, Fourpaw announced to the press in February of 1877 that his circus now had, quote, the only baby elephant ever born on American soil. This ruse didn't last too much longer as the elephant trader that worked with Fourpaw also worked with Barnum and so told Barnum that this elephant was definitely captured, not in the United States, and Barnum declared that also to the press. After this point, Fourpaw Circus stopped declaring that Topsy was born in the United States and instead claimed that she was the only elephant born out of a tropical zone, which was also a lie, but I guess Barnum didn't really care that much to dispel that myth. The thing is, hyperbole was basically expected in circus advertising. Again, as long as people showed up under the big top, what did it matter? When Topsy was full grown, she was 10 feet tall and 20 feet long. It was claimed that she weighed somewhere between 3.4 and 5.6 metric tons, kind of a big spread. That would be between about 8,000 and about 12,000 pounds. 
She was right in the average for height and length for a female Asian elephant, and either right in the average for weight or way, way, way heavier. I guess, I guess we'll never know. Over the years in the circus, Topsy gained a reputation of being a bad elephant. I guess you can be the judge of that, but there you go. At times, newspaper reports greatly exaggerated the number of deaths attributed to Topsy, sometimes saying that she was a man-eater that killed 12 people or more. More commonly, she was known to have killed two circus workers during the 1900 season, one in Paris, Texas, and one in Waco, Texas. Even these, however, may have been false. The only known records are of a handler, Mortimer Laudit, who sustained injuries in Paris, Texas, but he didn't die. In 1902, when she was 27 years old, Topsy killed a spectator in Brooklyn, New York. James Fielding Blout, a known drunk with a death wish, entered the menagerie tent on the early morning hours of May 25, 1902. He began to go down the row of elephants who were tied to each other and taunt and tease them, offering them swigs of whiskey from his bottle. When he got to Topsy, she refused his drink, and in anger, he took the tip of his lit cigar and put it right on Topsy's trunk. It's a very sensitive area on an elephant, and so out of anger and fear and pain, she knocked him to the ground and crushed him, either with her feet her knees, or her head. In June of 1902, while being unloaded from a train in Kingston, New York, Louis Dondero, a spectator, reached up to tickle Topsy behind the ear. Out of anger, she picked him up by his waist and threw him down before handlers were able to stop her. Because of this, Fourpaw decided that Topsy was more trouble than she was worth and decided to sell her. The buyer was Paul Boyton, the owner of Coney Island's Sea Lion Park. Paul Boyton was known as the Fearless Frogman and had had a show with the Barnum Circus before moving on to buying this park and having a show with his sea lions. At the end of a bad season, he decided to lease the park and then sell it to two developers, Frederick Thompson and Elmer Dundee who developed it into a much larger park called Luna Park, a predecessor of the amusement park at Coney Island. Topsy was used in tons of publicity for the park. She was often used to move things to help redesign it, including the namesake airship Luna. It was often said to the press that this was her penance for her previous bad behavior. When Topsy was moving Luna in October of 1902, her handler, William Art, stabbed her with a pitchfork. When he was confronted by police, he actually set Topsy free to roam through the park. Uh, naturally, William was arrested. In December, William got drunk and rode Topsy down the streets of Coney Island and then into the police station. Witnesses say that Topsy tried to barge through the police station doors and, quote, she set up a terrific trumpeting, end quote. The officers, naturally terrified, sought shelter in the jail cells. Suffice it to say, William was fired after this incident. The owners of the park then claimed that they could no longer handle Topsy because they had fired her handler. They alleged that they had tried to sell her and then give her away, but no one would take her. So the owners of the park made a decision. Statements were released constantly for an entire month related to the decision to execute Topsy the Elephant in what I can imagine was just a stunt to keep the park that was yet unfinished constantly in the news. 
On January 1st, 1903, the plan for her to be publicly hung was announced. If you wanted to watch, lucky you, you could for the low, low price of 25 cents each. They chose the site to execute her, which was an island in the middle of a lagoon in the park, where they were in the midst of creating a magnificent 200-foot building known as the Electric Tower. Well publicized though it was, the president of the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, John Peter Haynes, forbade the public hanging, saying that it was needlessly cruel, and also forbidding them from charging admission to watch it at all. After negotiations, which included the owners trying to give Topsy straight to the ASPCA, they decided that it would be less cruel to do the following. Electrocute, strangle, and poison the poor elephant. Let's talk about electricity. I'm sure some of you have heard of the famed rivalry between Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. Probably most of you don't know the whole truth, but you've heard things. Well, from the mid-1880s until the early 1890s, Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse were embroiled in a feud known as the War of the Currents. No, I did not misspeak. Westinghouse had actually paid Tesla a significant sum to lease some of Tesla's patents. And so the War of the Currents was really fought between Westinghouse and Edison. Edison, previously to this, had developed direct current. It is a current that travels directly and continuously from one direction to another. It was actually the type of current that was standard early on in America's electricity history. Tesla had developed alternating current to solve some problems that direct current had, mostly that it was difficult for it to be converted to higher and lower voltages, and direct current generators had to be located fairly close to whatever you were powering. Edison, however, did not want to lose the royalties from his direct current patents, and so engaged in a smear campaign to discredit alternating current. He straight up lied, saying alternating current was much more dangerous than direct current, and even electrocuted straight animals to prove his point. At the height of the current war in 1893, George Westinghouse won a bid to power the Chicago World's Fair using Tesla's alternating current. Also in 1893, the Niagara Falls Power Company awarded Westinghouse the contract to generate power from Niagara Falls using alternating current. By the end of the 19th century, Alternating Current and Westinghouse and Tesla had won the war. The date of Topsy's murder was set for Saturday, January 4th, 1903. A hundred spectators who didn't pay were allowed into the park, but many more scaled the fences in order to view the execution. People did sell tickets for their buildings that were nearby and people sat on the roofs of their buildings to also watch the execution. The electric tower was rigged with long ropes to strangle Topsy. P.D. Sharkey was the chief electrician of the local power company, Edison Electric Illuminating Company of Brooklyn, and he was in charge of the electrocution part. Oh, and they planned to feed her carrots laced with cyanide. Nice. Okay, here's the tough part. Try to choke down your circus peanut can cotton candy margarita in preparation. Topsy was led out of her pen and through the unfinished park. She refused to cross the bridge over the lagoon onto the island where they had the electrocution set up. She refused to cross the lagoon over the bridge to the island where everything for the execution had been set up. The park's owners reached out to William Art 
Topsy's former handler, and offered him $25 to lead Topsy over the bridge. That's about $650 in today's money. William refused, saying that he wasn't even going to watch the execution, and he wouldn't do that even for $1,000, or $30,000 in today's money. They gave up and decided to, quote, bring death to her, end quote. They re-rigged the ropes and electrical lines. The electricians attached copper-lined sandals connected to alternating current to Topsy's front right foot and back left foot. At 2.45 p.m., 6,000 volts of electricity were sent through Topsy's body for 10 seconds, toppling her to the ground and killing her instantly. They then strangled her, but it was the electricity that had killed her. The Edison Film Company was also present at the execution of Topsy. They shot a 74-second film, which, on a side note, you can watch on YouTube if you want. I did not, but I guess you can if you want to. The film was produced in a few weeks and had the title Electrocuting an Elephant, Thomas A. Edison. It was actually one of many short films filmed by the Edison Film Company at Coney Island. Most of those involved live animals and rides and people. Boring stuff, I guess. Turns out that film wasn't very popular. You couldn't even watch it at Luna Park because they didn't have an Edison uh, kinetoscope, which is what you needed to watch Edison films. It might have been lost to time, actually, as negatives and films from this era tended to decay or be destroyed, but lucky for us, I guess? The Edison Film Company actually submitted the film to the Library of Congress for copyright purposes. They did it using what's called a paper print, where they literally print each frame of the video onto a piece of paper. Okay, so here's the deal. Pop culture has you believe that Edison electrocuted Topsy the elephant. They say that Topsy was used as the largest conceivable animal to prove the dangers of alternating current. They say that Edison would go to any lengths to prove that Tesla and Westinghouse were wrong, or any lengths to save his fortune. They say that on that day, January 4th, 1903, Edison strolled up and flipped the switch himself, electrocuting Topsy. The truth is he didn't. There are many newspaper stories about the electrocution of Topsy. Edison isn't even mentioned. That's so incredibly unlikely. There is no written evidence that he consulted the officials at Luna Park, the ASPCA, or the electric company. He didn't make or produce the film. All of the films of that era had his name in the title. He was the president of the Edison Manufacturing Company, which oversaw the film company. But in 1892, he had been forced out by his own shareholders. At this point, he was a figurehead. The day-to-day -day operations were overseen by William Gilmore, who was the company's vice president and general manager. It doesn't make sense that the film was created to expose the dangers of alternating current, since that had been decided a decade before. The truth is, at the time of Topsy's death, Edison wasn't even involved in the electricity business anymore. So what do you think? Why do you think our fascination with circuses continued for so many generations, and for some even today? Did they have any kind of positive outcomes? Did you ever tell your parents you were going to run away and join the circus? Just me? Did your parents ever tell you to run away and join the circus? Just me? 
What do you think about the ASPCA refusing to take Topsy, but instead saying that electrocution was the more humane thing to do? Is that something you can imagine happening today? And I think I've disproven the theory that Edison killed Topsy, but do you believe me? Is it possible that I'm totally wrong and Edison flipped the switch and killed her? And who's better, Edison or Tesla? You know what? Never mind. Don't answer that one. Topsy has been the subject of many elements of pop culture, including music videos, songs, television episodes. There's been at least one modern art exhibit created where spectators could stand on a copper plate surrounded by chains and watch the video of Topsy's murder. I'm going to end today's episode by reading U.S. Poet Laureate's W.S. Merwin's The Chain to Her Leg. I'll see you next week. Be nice to elephants. If we forget Topsy, Topsy remembers. When we forget her mother gunned down in the forest and forget who killed her and to whom they sold, the tusks, the feet, the good parts, and how they died and where and what became of their children and what happened to the forest, Topsy remembers. When we forget how the wires were fastened on her for the experiment the first time and how she smoldered and shuddered there with them all watching but did not die. When we forget the lit cigarette, the last laugh gave her, lit in first, as though it were a peanut, the joke for which she killed him, we will not see home again. When we forget the circus, the tickets to see her die in the name of progress, and Edison and the electric chair, the mushroom cloud will go up over the desert, where the west was won, the Enola Gay will take off after the chap chaplain's blessing. After the chaplain's blessing, the smoke from the black mesas, power plants will be visible from the moon, the forests will be gone, the extinctions will accelerate, the polar bears will float farther and farther away, and off the edge of the world that Topsy remembers.